Well, this is the last day of the year, a time when many people reflect on the past year and they look forward to the new year, hoping for change, for renewal, for better times. And so with that in mind, I thought it would be great for us to look at 2 Timothy this morning, a personal letter written by Paul to his child in the faith, Timothy. In this letter, he tells Timothy that he is living in the last days, and I think that we are living in the last days as well. We can tell that we're living in the last days, and Paul says, in the last days, difficult times will come. Well, Paul is living out his final days. He is about to be, he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, that he is being poured out as a drink offering. Paul is suffering in prison because he's been standing for Jesus Christ, standing for the gospel message, the good news message of Christ's death and resurrection and the way of eternal life by faith alone in Christ alone. Paul uses this letter to prepare Timothy. And even in this section we're going to focus on this morning, we're going to see that he tells Timothy to suffer hardship with him as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Just as Paul has suffered, if Timothy decides that he's going to fight the good fight of faith, if he's going to live for Christ, if he's going to share the gospel, if he's going to take what he's been taught and pass it on to others, then he should expect to suffer. He should expect persecution. And so he gives three illustrations on how to get prepared for what's ahead and the rewards that will come from applying these truths. So may we learn from this passage, but even more importantly, may we be prepared for what lies ahead. May we be changed as this time rolls around next year and we're reflecting on the past year. Have we made changes? Have we made improvements? Are we living more for Christ, looking more like Christ in the life that we've lived? Are we living a life that is rewarding, one that we will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant? So let's begin by getting an outline of what we're going to see this morning. We're going to get an introduction and flow. I'm going to go very quickly through chapter 1 and the first couple of verses of chapter 2. And then we're going to slow down and take some time and look at these three illustrations that we see the active soldier in 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. And we're going to talk about being focused on the eternal, being focused on Christ, being focused on pleasing the one who enlisted us as soldiers. Then we're going to look at the obedient athlete. The athlete, if he wants to gain the prize, if he wants to gain the rewards, then he has to live or compete according to the rules. And we'll talk about what that means for us as well. And then we're going to see the heart hardworking farmer. And if he works hard, if he produces the crop, then he should be the first to receive his share of the crop. So let's begin with looking at an introduction and a flow. If you're not already there, you can turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And uh, I'll go very quickly through this first part. But these are Paul's final words to his child in the faith, Timothy. He's writing from prison and he is about to be put to death for standing for Christ. But before he is put to death, he wants to pass on some vital information to Timothy about continuing in the faith and passing it on to others. He knows the road for Timothy is not going to be easy, and we'll see that even in our passage this morning. He wants to see God's word continuing to grow in Timothy and those around him, and for the gospel to continue to spread throughout the world. 
He wants Timothy to keep his focus on what's important, on what's eternal, and to be ready for when his time comes. Because as we said earlier, Paul's time has come. And he says at the end of this book that I've fought the good fight, I've finished the course, I've kept the faith, and there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. But that crown, that reward is not just for anyone, not just for Paul, but for those who love the appearing of Christ Jesus. And so are we ready for the appearing of Christ Jesus? Are we ready for him to come? Are we living in a way that shows Christ to other people? Well, in verse 1, we see that Paul is the author, and in verse 2, we see that he's writing to his child in the faith, Timothy. But as we think about that, I want us to realize that this is a letter. It's written to an individual. It's not written to a church. Sometimes, you know, whenever we look at God's Word, we say, well, that's written to the church, and it's not specifically to me. It's to someone else. But I want us to put our names in there. As we're seeing this written, this letter written to Timothy from Paul, I want us to put our names in there and think about it like Paul is writing this letter to me and I need to take these truths to heart. I need to live out the truths that we're going to see in our passage this morning. In verse 5, Paul gets right into it and he tells Timothy um, to, to, that he remembers about the faith that was passed down from his grandmother and to his mother. And then in verse 6, he tells him to get fired up to give fired up and use his spiritual gifts. You see, we oftentimes, we get fired up about football games. We get fired up about a bowl game that's getting ready to come. But do we get fired up? Are we fired up to use our gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given us to further his ministry and to further the gospel in the lives of the people around us. So he tells Paul or tells Timothy, he says, get fired up. We need to get fired up and we need to use what God has given to us. And what God has not given to us is a spirit of timidity. That's what he goes on and says in the next verse, fear, timidity is not from the Lord. We don't need to be ashamed to share the gospel with people. We don't need to be ashamed to stand for Jesus Christ in this world. We need to get fired up. We need to use our gifts, talents, and abilities. We don't need to be timid. We don't need to be afraid because God's given us everything we need to do what he's called us to do, to fulfill our purpose. And they are power, love, and discipline. And that's what he says. He's given us power, power of the Holy Spirit that indwells inside of us, power to be his witnesses, beginning in Jerusalem and all Judea and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And so we're in those remotest parts of the earth and we are to be spreading the gospel with the power of the Holy Spirit that's inside of us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us that helps us to live the Christian life. And so we've got that power inside of us. We've got love, love for God and love for others. We, so, we love God because why? He first loved us. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die and to rise again so that we could have life, eternal life, simply by faith in him. We have love for others. If you love those around you, if you see and know of someone who is not a believer, who's never put their faith in Jesus Christ, then we've got to, out of love, we've got to speak to them. We've got to tell them the truth so they're not separated from God and from us for all eternity because they have not believed in Jesus Christ. So he's given us power, he's given us love, and he's given us discipline. Discipline has the idea of, of sound mind. It has the idea of doing 
what we're supposed to do when we're supposed to do it. When it's time to train, when it's time to spend time in our quiet time, when it's time to study the Bible, then he's put in us the discipline to get up and to do what it is that we're supposed to do so that we're trained, we're prepared, and ready. He's given us discipline in our lives so that whenever we stand before someone that we'll will fulfill what it is that we're supposed to do, whether that means sharing the gospel with that person, whether that means taking what we've been taught and passing it on to others, we'll do that because he's put self-discipline in our bodies. He goes on and talks to him about suffering. Paul says that I suffered for Christ. You're going to have to suffer for Christ if you desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Then he tells him to live out the word, live out the word of God. That's what he tells him to do. You don't just come and listen to the word of God. You don't just hear what I say, but you need to go live it out in your life and you need to guard the treasure of the word of God. You see so many people in the world that were living in today um, say that the word of God is not for this time, for this culture. It was for a different time, for a different group of people. And what what the Bible really says there, it doesn't mean that for me. It doesn't mean that in the world that we're living in. Our culture is different and, you know, we have to adapt to the culture. No, we don't. God's word is alive and it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It never comes back void. It does not change. And so we need to guard the treasure of God's word. Then he gives an example of some people that have turned away and then Onesiphorus who has been faithful. And then he begins chapter two and he tells Paul, you be one of those faithful people. You be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And so we need that strength. Paul or Timothy needed that strength. You see, whenever we have sin in our lives, we can find strength to overcome that through the grace that's in Christ Jesus. When we're suffering before Christ, whenever we're suffering hard times, trials, afflictions, we can overcome that through the strength of the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And then in this flow of the passage, we're going to see that Timothy needs to be strong in the grace because as chapter 3 verse 12 says, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So we should expect persecution. We should expect suffering if we're going to live for Christ because we're going contrary to the world, the flesh, and the devil. Then in verse 2 is a key verse for us here at Stillwater Bible, and JB has an SBI class that is focused on this verse, taking what we've been taught and passing it on to others so that they can teach others as well. You see, that's what we are to be doing as those who are believers in Christ, as those who are here on Sunday morning and taking in the Word of God. We're not just to take in the Word of God so that we can be smarter Christians. We are to take in the Word of God so that it can change our lives, and then we can take those truths and pass them on to others. You see, major spiritual growth doesn't happen here on Sunday mornings. Major spiritual growth happens when we believers get together with one another and we take what we've been taught and we pass it on to others. You see, it makes growth for for all parties involved. If I'm the teacher, then what do I got to do? I've got to do what Paul tells Timothy down in 2 Timothy 2.15. We have to study to show ourselves approved to God as a workman who 
need not be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. So I've got to know how the word of God fits together if I'm going to teach it to somebody else. But also, if you're in a small group and you're the one being taught, then you're going to grow. You're going to gain information. And when you're in smaller groups, guess what you can do? You can ask questions. You can raise your hand. You can ask questions. You can talk about a passage of scripture. And then everybody in the group begins to grow and they grow numerically. They, they grow, multiply. And so we have great growth and that's where growth comes. So that's what we're to be doing, taking what we've been taught, passing it on to others. But if we start doing these things, if we get fired up for Christ using our gifts, talents, and abilities, when we start digging the word so that we can teach it to others, whenever we begin sharing the gospel with other people, then what should we expect? Well, we should expect persecution. We should expect suffering. And so with that in mind, Paul gives three illustrations that we're going to be looking at this morning. And he says that you could, we can use these three illustrations to get ourselves prepared and to get in to what it is that we are supposed to be doing. So the three illustrations are the active soldier, the obedient athlete, and the hardworking farmer. With each of these illustrations, we're going to see that there is an application that needs to be performed by each one. And then there is a reward for fulfilling that application. First, we see the soldier. And the soldier is to be focused. He is to be, be focused on pleasing the one who enlisted him. He is not to be focused on the, the side things of life. He's not to be worried about making a budget or he's not to be worried about his family. If you're out there on the front lines, then what you need to be doing is listening to the one that's, that's enlisted you, listening to your commander, taking his commands because he has your best interests in mind and those who are in your company, those who are in your team. And so you need to be focused on what you are doing at that point in time. And then we're going to see the athlete. If he wants to get the prize, then he has to compete according to the rules. And we're going to talk about what that means in, in the time that Paul wrote this. And then finally, we're going to see the farmer. And if he does all the hard work, then he ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. And we're going to relate that to something that we recently saw in the book of Revelation. So let's begin with the active soldier in 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. He says, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Notice Paul says, suffer hardship. All of these three illustrations have hardship related to them. You think about a soldier, what happens to soldiers? Many times they're separated from their family and so they have to go off and they miss important dates like Christmas. You know, many soldiers are out there fighting for our freedom and they just missed Christmas with their family. Oftentimes they miss the birth of a child or a graduation of a child because they're out there in service and there's hardship that's related to that. You know, you think about the athlete. What does he have to do? He has to train. He has to prepare. And that takes hard work. It takes dedication. And it's suffering hardship. And then you think about the farmer. He's out there in the fields night and day getting 
the seed in the ground to be prepared for the rains that are to come, to get the harvest out at the proper time. He oftentimes has to work night and day out there in the heat. And so they all have hardship related to them. But notice what he goes on to say. He says, suffer hardship with me. When we suffer for Christ, whenever we suffer for doing what is right, for what God commanded us to do, then we don't have to suffer alone because first and foremost, we have God with us at all times. Later on, Paul says, you know, in his, in his time of suffering, in his time in prison, you know, everyone deserted me, but Christ was with me. God is always with us whenever we're going through trials and tribulations for doing what Christ has called us to do. Whenever we're doing anything, Christ is always with us. But we also don't have to suffer alone because we have who else? We have each other. We have the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's why we're not to forsake the assembling together so that we can be encouraged, be built up by one another so that whenever we go out into the battlefield that is is the world that we're living in, then we can be prepared for that battle. So we don't have to suffer alone. We are in a battle. It's a spiritual battle. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, against people, but against rulers, against powers, against worldly forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. If you don't believe it, look around at the world that we're living in. Paul gives a good description of this time if you want to look ahead at, at chapter 3, not right now, but maybe later on. You can see what the world that we're living in is like. The battle is real. We've been enlisted by Christ Jesus to be soldiers for him in battle. Look on with me to verse 4 where it says, No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. You see, the active soldier is focused on pleasing the one who enlisted him. When I think about soldiers, the first thing I think about is sacrifice. People who sacrifice the easier life for something that is more difficult, something that may even lead to the ultimate sacrifice, the sacrifice of their lives. Whenever I think about that, I think about Jesus Christ. What did he do for us? He left the glories of heaven. He was there with God the Father, with the Holy Spirit in perfect harmony, in perfect unity, but he stepped out of that place and he came to this world and he was born as a baby there in Bethlehem. And he lived a life, not an easy life, not, not a joyful life of a, of a king. He, he lived a joyful life, but not a, not a life of prestige. He lived a life that was looked upon, that was, he was beat up, he was spit on, he was cursed at and he willingly went to the cross of Calvary and he died for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of the entire world so that we could have life, eternal life, simply by faith in him. How can we have life by faith in him? Because Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Three days later, he arose from the grave, conquering death, proving the payment of sin had been made. And so he offers the way of life, eternal life, simply by faith in him. So if you're here today, you've never believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life. If you're watching online and you've never believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, Right where you are, you can believe in him and he offers you the gift of every, 
everlasting life. It's not based on what you have done, what you are doing, or what you will do, but it's based on what Jesus Christ has already done for you. And by faith alone in him, you can have eternal life. But I will say this, once you have believed in Jesus Christ, you'll be enlisted as a soldier by him. And how you fulfill your duties here on earth will determine whether or not you'll hear those blessed words of well done, good, and faithful servant because you pleased him with your life here on earth. In order to be a soldier, you have to work, you have to get into shape, you have to train for the position that you are going to fulfill. So my question is to us, are we spiritually working on getting into shape? Are we training for the battle? What are our priorities? Are we focused on the things of this world or pleasing Christ Jesus who enlisted us? Colossians 3 tells us to set our minds on the things above where Christ is seated. The truth is, every one of us who have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, one day we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be recompensed, to be paid back for the things that we've done in this earth, whether good or worthless. And if we've done good in our life, if we've had our minds set on the eternal, living for the eternal, living and, and producing much fruit in our lives, then he's going to reward us. He's going to reward us with a well done, good and faithful servant. So how are you and I living? Are we living for the temporal rewards of this life or are we living for the eternal rewards? that we will receive from the one who enlisted us, the one who saved us, the one who called us. If we're living for Christ, if we're fighting on his side, then we've got to daily be putting on the armor of God. You know, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells the church at Ephesus that we have to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand firm against the schemes of the devil. You see, the devil has schemes. He's sneaky. He tries to slither his way into our lives and to bring us down. And if we are not daily putting on the full armor of God, then we're going to have a loss of protection that will allow him into our, into our lives and to break us down. And so we have to be putting on on the full armor of God so that we can stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The devil has schemes. We must stay focused. We must not get caught up by his schemes, by being worldly minded. We must focus on Christ, focus on the eternal. And if we do, we'll receive our reward. We will please the one who enlisted us. And we will hear him say those blessed words. The words that we would all love to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. So we've seen our first illustration, a soldier who needs to be focused because we're in a battle. We're in the battle of our lives. We're in a spiritual battle. We're not fighting against people, but against the world system, the fallen world system against Satan, against those powers, those rulers in the heavenly places. And so we have to be prepared, we have to be focused, and we have to be fighting if we're going to hear the words, well done. That takes us to verse 5 where we see the obedient athlete. Verse 5 says, also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. 
So in order to get the prize, what do you have to do? You have to compete according to the rules. Now you may be thinking, you know, we have to compete according to the rules. That means once the race starts, we have to compete according to the rules. But in this time that this was written, you know, there were these games called the Isthmus Games. It's like the Olympics that we have nowadays. And if you qualified, if you were good enough to go and to represent your country, then 10 months before your event happened, you went away to a place where you began to train. And during that time, you had diet, a strict diet that you were on. You had an exercise plan that you had to be on. You had practice regimens in specific times that you had to practice for your event. And if you did not keep those things according to how it was set up for you, then you never even made it to the race. And so they had to be obedient in their training before they even got to the race. And so whenever he says you have to compete according to the rules, we have to be thinking about our training. Are we training according to the rules? Are we preparing? Are we getting ourselves in the right place. You know, at this time of the year, many people are thinking about New Year's resolutions and they're thinking about working out and dieting and exercise. They're thinking about spiritual things that I, I want to grow in my spirituality over the next year. I want to grow to be more like Christ over the next year. I want to, I want to pay attention to my finances and I want to be in a better financial position next year. Well, all of those things are good, but the key is, is that we want to run the race so that we can get the prize. You see, oftentimes in the Bible, whenever we talk about, about the Christian life, it's, it's talked about as a race. We see that in Hebrews 12, chapter 12, verse 2. He says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Again, we have that idea of focusing in the right place. We have to focus on Jesus, but we have to run the race with endurance. You see, the Christian life is not a short distance run. It's a long race that we have to live in the entire time that we're here on this earth. And we need to run all the way to the finish line. We need to keep our focus on the finish line. And where are we running to? We're running to our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is going to be the one that we are looking forward to seeing whenever we meet him in the air or whether we leave this place through death and we get to go and be with him forever. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says a similar thing. He says, run the race so that you can get the prize. He goes on and says, I discipline my body. I make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. He doesn't want to be disqualified from the race. He doesn't want to not receive the prize. And so he disciplines his body. He makes it his slave. And then Paul told Timothy the same thing or similar thing in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, where he says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. He says, for bodily discipline is only of little profit. You know, diet and exercise for this body is only of little profit because this, this body is going to end up in the grave and it's going to deteriorate. But godliness is not only profitable in this life, but also in the life to come. 
That doesn't mean we don't need to take care of our bodies. We do because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And so we need to take care of our bodies. But godliness, the inside is, is really what matters because that's what goes on forever. And so we need to be disciplining ourselves for the purpose of godliness. We need to be training. We need to be preparing and doing all that we can. So are we training according to the rules? Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? So what are we training for? Are we training for bodily discipline that's of little profit or godliness that's eternally profitable? Are we training for a perishable wreath or an imperishable wreath? Do we want to look good before the world or before God? Are we here to please man or are we here to please God? It's not easy to compete as an athlete on such a high-level stage as the Olympics. It takes many hours and many years of discipline and training to get there. But the stakes are even higher in the race that we are running. People's eternal lives are at stake. Our eternal positions of responsibility are at stake. So are we training according to the rules? Are we reading God's word, meditating on his word, memorizing his word, praying, praising God, thanking him for all that he's given us and allowing us to be used by him? Are we taking this race seriously? You may say, well, I'm not doing all that, but at least I'm here on Sunday mornings. Isn't that enough? And my answer is the same as his answer. No, it's not. He isn't looking for fans to be in the seats. He wants athletes who are ready to compete. Athletes that are prepared, that are trained, and that are ready to get out there and do what he's called us to do, which is to make disciples, evangelize unbelievers, and take what we've been taught and pass it on to others. So my question is, are we fans in the stands or are we athletes in the streets? Are we hitting the world that is out there around us and are we doing the things that God has called us to do? Putting in the hard work does no good if we're not willing to compete in the, in the games. And speaking of hard work, that takes us to our final illustration found in verse 6, the hardworking farmer. Verse 6 says, the hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. So in this illustration, we see that we have to work hard in order to receive the first of our crops. When we think about a farmer, when I think about a farmer, I think of a hard worker, people who are tough, people who wear those hot, thick Wrangler jeans out there in 100 plus degree days as they're out there tilling their fields and preparing the, the ground for, for the seed that needs to go in them. There are people who have to work night and day to get that seed in before the rains come. And then whenever the harvest, it's time to harvest, then again, it's night and day that we have to be out there and we have to be on those, on those tractors, on those combines, getting that, that harvest in before it's all ruined. You know, there's no excuses. You can't say, well, you know, I'm just too tired. I'm just going to let it go for a couple of days. I'm going to get some rest. No, you can't do that. Why? Because your livelihood, your, your feeding of your family is dependent on it. Feeding of other people's family is dependent on it. And so you're going to do what you got to do. Well, the same is true for us. 
whenever it's time to prepare, to, to have our quiet times. We shouldn't make up excuses as to why we can't do it. We have to put in the hard work. We have to get prepared. And then once we're prepared, we have to go do what we're supposed to do. We have to go out there and reap the harvest. The harvest is out there. It's ready to be reaped. And we've got to get out there and reap the harvest. So we've got to put in the hard work. We've got to do what we need to do. So we need to put in the hard work. We need to be diligent to present ourselves approved to God as workmen who do not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth because the approved workmen are the ones who are going to be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb that we recently talked about in the book of Revelation. You see, that marriage supper of the Lamb is not just for all believers. It's for those who are faithful, who did what they were supposed to do. Then they get to come to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and they're going to receive the first of their share of the crop. The approved workman is the one who's going to receive the prize because he trained and he, he obeyed the commands that God has given us. You see, we're not under the law. I'm not saying we have to live our life under the law, but there are commands and principles that the Bible gives us that we are to live out as Christians. And if we obey those commands, if, if we obey the word of God, then we'll receive the prize. And then finally, we're going to be the one who pleases the one who enlisted us. If we live as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, if we do what he's called us to do, if we fight the battle that we are in, then we'll hear him say those blessed words, well done, good and faithful servant. Will that be you? Will that be me? The answer to that question is up to us. But we need to remember, we can't do this on our own. Just as the hardworking farmer doesn't produce a crop just in his own strength. He needs sunlight. He needs rain. He needs them in the proper amounts at the proper times to produce much fruit. So just as the hard worker, or as the hard work alone doesn't produce much fruit for the farmer, so it does not for us. That takes us back to verse 1 where we have to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. We must know him as more than Savior. We must know him and be abiding in him. And Paul goes on to show us this in the final verse that we're going to look at today where he says, consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. That word consider has the idea to think carefully on what Paul says, on what God's word says. Not just reading it, not just coming to church and hearing it, but considering it, thinking about it, meditating on it. Then the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And once you have that understanding, once you meditate on it, then we need to make application in our lives. Our lives must be changed for him. He'll enlighten us with his word. He'll water the soil so that we'll produce much fruit. We'll joyfully sit down at the marriage supper of the lamb and enjoy the first of our crops. We'll receive the prize after hearing him say, well done, good and faithful servant. So are we ready for a new year? Are we going to be different at this time next year? Are we going to be stronger in our faith? Are we going to have some children in the faith like Paul had Timothy? Are we going to have our children that God desires for us to have? Paul didn't stop with Timothy. Timothy, He said, you take what you've been taught, you pass it on to others so that they will be able to teach others also. And I want to end with this. I've heard a lot of people recently saying that, come, Lord Jesus, come. 
And I've listened to their reasoning of why they want the Lord Jesus to come. They want the Lord Jesus to come because this world is going from bad to worse. They want out of what they're in. They want out of the battle that they're fighting in. They want out of the race that they are running. They want out of the hot fields that they are working in. They want the suffering and the hardship to be over. But Paul said, we should expect these things. And we need to be prepared. We need to be ready for battle. We need to be ready to run the race. We need to be using our gifts, talents, and abilities as we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Paul knows his life is about to end. But earlier in his life, he was in prison. And he didn't know what was going to happen. He told the Philippians, he said, you know, as I think about it, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I die, you know, it's going to be profitable for me because I'll get to be with my Savior. But it's better for your sake if I stay here, if I live on in the flesh. It's going to be better for your sake. And so as I think about it, I think I am going to live on because you guys, I need and you need spiritual growth. And the truth is, we don't know when Jesus Christ is coming back. He could come back today. He could come back tomorrow. It could be a hundred years, a thousand years from now. We think that his time is close at hand. And so we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. But while we're here living in the flesh, we need to make our lives count for Christ. We need to not just be sitting back on our backside saying, come Lord Jesus, come. We need to be ready for the battle. We need to be ready for the race. We need to be hard workers out there in the field so that we can be like Paul at the end of our lives, at the end of our time. When our time comes, we can say that I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith, and there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, a reward that I'm going to receive from him after hearing him say, well done, good and faithful servant. So let's get fired up, not starting tomorrow, but starting today, even as we think about these applications that we have here for us. I want us to add our name in there. I, Brian, will sacrifice like a soldier, keeping my focus on pleasing the one who enlisted me. I will do that. I will sacrifice like a soldier. I'm going to keep my focus on the eternal and stop worrying about all the circumstances that are surrounding me. I'm going to focus on the eternal. I'm going to invest my life. I'm going to prepare and I'm going to get ready for the battle that we are in. Number two is I, Brian, will train and compete like an athlete according to the rules. And so I'm going to obey God's word. When God's word tells me to, to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within me, when God's word tells me to study to show myself approved as a workman who need not be ashamed, I'm going to study the word of God. I'm going to do what God's word tells me to do to be prepared. And whenever I stand before people, I'm going to take what I've been taught. I'm going to pass it on to them. I'm going to share the gospel with people who need to hear it around me so that I don't leave anyone behind when it's my time to go or when it's their time to go. And then last, I, Brian, will be like the farmer who is hard working, not in my own strength, but by abiding in Christ so that I may produce a crop that is profitable 
profitable enough that it will have me sitting down with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords at the marriage supper of the Lamb after hearing him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Will you be different next year? Are you going to make these commitments to your life? Are you going to obey the commitments that you make to yourselves? Are they going to be New Year's resolutions that a week, a month, or two months down the road that they've gone by the wayside? Or are we going to be like Christ? Are we going to be changed to be more like Him? Are we going to consider the truths that Paul has given to us today in his word so that we can be more like Christ? The answer to that question is up to you. And my prayer for all of us is that we're changed to be more like Christ.